0: everybody, and welcome back to Equestrian. I'm Annie, and I'm here with my co-host,
1: Caroline. Hey, guys. So we wanted to do a quick little bonus episode where we talked about the current coronavirus situation and how that might be influencing your regular uh, kind of habits in your day-to-day with your horse and what you can do during these circumstances. So as we're all kind of adjusting to what our new day-to-day looks like, at least for the immediate future, I wanted to take a minute to uh, specifically ask Annie a couple of questions. Um, She's in California. The barn dynamic there is pretty challenging. And I know that the coronavirus is affecting people across the country um, with shelter in place or quarantine and different business closures and that sort of a thing, which can kind of put us at a weird dynamic with horses. Because we've got, it's kind of the livestock gray area, but you might board them, but do you really want to not see them for a couple of weeks? Or if you're involved in their care, what do you do? And just trying to kind of talk through navigating this in our different um, environments as we go through it. So I really wanted to talk to Annie about um, what some of the struggles that they're encountering in California right now, because I know California has really been hit hard Um by the coronavirus and the measures that they're having to take have really had a pretty significant impact on the barn and the equine community in California.
0: Yes. Um, so right now we're on a a shelter-in-place um, order. So we are discouraged from going places other than the grocery store, um, the gas station, or if you might need to seek medical attention, um, so stuff like that. So you're really just encouraged to remain in place and shelter in your home. They're saying that it's quite all right for, for people to go out and walk your dog. And as I'm sure a lot of these scenarios are really similar in other parts of the country, um, I can really only speak to obviously what's going on here. I live in the, the San Francisco Bay Area. So people are hiking and people are walking their dogs, but you it's, it's actually quite eerie because so my commute to work is on a pretty major highway and it's normally packed. Um, but the, when I drive to work in the morning, so when I drive home, it's kind of similar to like driving to the barn on Christmas morning. Nobody's on the road. So it makes the commutes a lot easier. Um, but it's eerie. It's, it's a weird vibe out here. It's definitely unpre- unprecedented.
1: And I think maybe one of the interesting factors that you're having to navigate is I know like at least for me and like my East Coast experience, like you have like a very um, like clear articulation of a division of labor at the barn. Like you have the owners that either take care of the barn or you have a barn manager and you have barn staff and they're responsible for your horse's care pretty comprehensively. But I know one of the issues that you're kind of running into out there is that you have boarding facilities that have you know, kind of trainer involvement and you have some barn staff that does like stall cleaning, but the individual horse's care is kind of left up to the owner and the trainer. And so you're really hitting some obstacles with everybody who owns the horses not having full access to the barn and how to navigate that for an indeterminate amount of time, correct?
0: Yes. So it's a little bit of a different dynamic and there are certainly various different management styles in California. The barn where I currently am is, there are several trainers functioning out of the same facility. So we have barn staff that provides clean water, food, hay, bedding, and they offer a few other extra add-on services. But primarily, the trainers offer services similar for their own clients. So everyone kind of signs on with a trainer. So We assume quite a bit of responsibility for our client horses, making sure that they are fed, um, exercised, turned out, um, so that the client could potentially um, maybe just come on the weekends and take a lesson. Um, So it definitely, with a shelter-in-place order, the facility where we are currently is not allowing boarders to come see their horses. Um, and I know there are, are several other barns in our area that are doing similar things, um, not all of them. So people are getting a little steamed, understandably so, knowing that they um, are not able to come see their horse. And there are also are clients that of the barns that kind of fall between the cracks if they are not with a particular trainer. So everybody's really struggling to um, – everybody's really struggling, both – boarders who would like to come out and see their horses and are not being allowed to, and trainers, barn staff, um, et cetera, who are considered essential personnel and now have to kind of absorb the workload of all these additional horses that need to be cared for. So that's where I find myself.
1: Which I think is definitely a challenge, and I think it's important to remember as we kind of all navigate through this and kind of figure it out day by day and try to like find a healthy balance between, um, you know, being proactive and making sure nothing falls through the cracks, but at the same time, like staying within the parameters of like the either suggested or recommended or enforced guidelines. And I I know for like, for me, uh, like my horse is boarded um, down the road from my house. I'm in Virginia. We currently don't have a shelter in place order. um, And to be honest, I don't usually encounter a lot of people when I go to my barn anyway. So it hasn't been... Terribly um, influential to this point at my barn, um, but I know that some of the factors I've thought about are, you know, like I went to this grocery store the other day, and the dog food that I use was sold out. So I'm like, okay, well, do I have enough feed? You know, do you know should I go to the store and buy extra feed? But then you also have to take into consideration, like, um, and I, I believe it was Tribute the other day. I do happen to feed Tribute feeds, um, but I think. I'm pretty sure it was them. I could be wrong. Um, They put a post out on their Instagram page that said that they were working really diligently to keep their food or their feed um, production consistent. And if everyone would just be gracious and not buy like an inordinate volume of feed to make sure that there's enough to go around. And I think that's important to notate is like, you know, just across the board, be it with feed or toilet paper, like, you know, take enough for you and your family and maybe a little extra, but then like, you don't have to take it all. Yeah absolutely you know like don't be that guy don't be the person that's like to heck with everybody else you know because i think sometimes um i guess there's a predisposition for these to be a little bit of a self-focused sport i know like the other day a farm that i used to work at they were really expressing their frustration that they've closed their barn down like you know they have small children and they've closed their barn down to training clients and boarders And they said it was kind of comical because they had, you know, several people who don't typically express an interest in coming to see their horses, but with the barn closed. And I I think it is, you know, coincidental with people also being off work and having the time, but they had this huge influx of people who all of a sudden wanted to come to the barn and come see their horses and come and ride. And just, it was very challenging for them to navigate that and very challenging for them to be like, look, you know, we, we really can appreciate that you want to spend time with your horse and that you want to ride, but you know, falling within the parameters of what's being recommended right now, like this is a high traffic facility and we're trying to limit that traffic as much as possible for your safety, for our safety and for the safety of everybody else involved.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's been a really unpopular decision at our facility, but I do legitimately think in the grand scheme, it's it's a responsible decision. We kind of are at this point needing to it's kind of we're we're kind of working them as as much as we can in the sense that we've now absorbed so many additional horses that um, we're rotating through our regular clients um, just because we're trying to accommodate other clients and so it is a little bit of like damage control just making sure that every horse gets a decent work at a somewhat regular uh, interval. Um, so it's definitely not training as usual, like business as usual. Um, sure. But I think yeah. you
1: all are doing your best, the best you can. And I think that that's important to notate is that everybody's doing the best that they can. And, you know, things might not be perfect, um, but that's OK, like because everywhere things aren't perfect, but you still you, you know, you have a gracious heart and you do the best you can. And, you know, if your horse has the wrong blanket on for an extra 20 minutes, like understand that there's a, there's a lot of factors in play and that your horse probably gonna be fine. But like, you know, um, like, I know, especially in, in this time, like I, you know, my heart goes out to, you, you know, not only to the medical professionals and people who are, you know, working diligently to combat this particular disease, but the secondary people that you don't often think about. Like, I know that. You know, you've kind of been thrown into um, kind of the fire a little bit this week with the uh, amount of animals that are in your care and the requirements of such. And one of the things that you kind of um, articulated that I thought was really interesting is you're trying to take, you know, a barn that has 80 horses and, you know, you've got 20 some odd, give or take, I think you said the other day. Um, But they're kind of all attuned to individual ownership. It's not like a giant umbrella of management and that you're trying to adapt all of these different people's specific requirements for their horses that they're no no longer able to provide and kind of streamline them in a way that everybody gets the care that they require. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's still feasible for one person or two people to do in the span of a day rather than everybody coming and, you know, typically doing it themselves Um, so I think I, you know, I really admire that tremendously. And I, um, I think that sometimes it's, it's just kind of prudent for people to, you know, be aware that, you know, lack of perfection is not a disaster, you know? Right. And also
0: not just, um, people like me, because although I have absorbed a higher, you know, more horses and we have a higher workload, um, I'm still not coming into contact with a lot of people. So I don't particularly feel um, any more threatened, I think, than the, fr- with, by the virus than, um, you know, some average people. But there are people that are in a, in a similar position with me, as me, but need to come in, like uh, grocery store clerks or post men or women um, or delivery drivers. Um, Nurses. Nurses, you know, yeah. Like anybody in the medical also- Yeah. Yeah. Those people I really feel for because, I mean, we rely on them. We're dependent upon them. And they're really putting themselves at risk for the betterment of of others. And I think it's it's that's the reason why we we should really that's the the best way we can honor them and be grateful for them is to is to be respectful of the shelter in place order and to not think of yourself yourself as an exception to the rule.
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, sometimes our decisions that we see in a, you know, I just want to go to the barn and see my horse. I'm not going to hurt anybody. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's kind of like the compound effect a little bit. Like what if you knew that that decision two months down the road or two weeks down the road was going to, you know, result in two or three or four or 10 more people ending up, um, in the hospital that need to be cared for by an overtaxed medical system? Like, was it really worth it to go to the barn?
0: Right. And we have a lot of people that are saying, well, I'm, I'm going to come up and I'm not going to be within six feet and I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to wear gloves and I'm going to, and I mean, there's only so much that you can do because in, in our facility, we have a lot of common spaces, um, the grain room being one of them. Everyone wants to come in and make enough um, grain for their, and, and drop off grain and, and be sure that all their medications and supplies are um, being kept up with. And that I totally understand. And is necessary, but at the same time, when you think about it from a disease standpoint, um, you're all you're all funneling into the same place. You're all and or not in the you're... same
1: air. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, like, we're all touching the same light switch, and we're all, you know, if we're, if we're going to use the facilities, we're all in the same
1: areas, and... Um, so- and to take into consideration too that you those of you who are there every day are already incredibly overtaxed, do you really need to be taking additional time and energy and resources to disinfect the bathroom and the feed room after everybody comes in? Like, you know, it's just another it's another way of being considerate of other people. Like, you know, what's an inconvenience to some is um, you know, like fairly problematic to others. Like You know, I might be like, well, I'm going to come and I'm just it might be a little bit of an inconvenience. But for you, who's been, you know, working 16 hours to to take care of everybody's horses to all of a sudden have to be like, okay, well, now I have to go and lice all, you know, a thousand square feet of barn common space because Sally Sue decided she just had to come pet her pony.
0: And now, every time I go to the bathroom, I pretend like I'm going to the bathroom at like some sort of seedy truck stop. And I'm like, (laughs) touch nothing. And I'm like, touch nothing. I come in, I go to the bathroom, I wash my hands like I'm about to perform surgery. And I'm like, (laughs) paper towels to open the knob. and, And I'm like, ordinarily throughout the week, like I'd be eating like my lunch in like a hand, a bare hand that I probably just like, Cleaned some stalls with. And thought (laughs) nothing of it.
1: But now I'm like, everything has germs. (laughs) Although the least likely thing to probably give you the coronavirus is cleaning stalls. (laughs) I know. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess kind of moral of the story, like kind of... Like everybody just like kind of find the middle ground, like be careful, be safe, don't have to be crazy and be a team player like remember like this is a disadvantage to everybody and we're all ultimately on the same team like you know people might articulate things differently or may um, like expect different things but ultimately like everybody wants to stay healthy everybody wants to feel good and everybody wants their horses to be taken care of. And, um, you know, if you do have like severe concerns, like you can address them in a way that is productive rather than destructive. And I think that's an important, you know, kind of thing to note is just like, don't be that guy. Like, don't be the person having a complete psychological breakdown because things aren't ideal. Well, you know, have you tried to buy toilet paper lately? Like things aren't ideal. It'll be fine.
0: (laughs) we're learning how to wipe with less
1: (laughs) put a hashtag that um speaking of (laughs) hashtags um in the next couple of days we'll be sharing some posts on our instagram page which is equestrian e-q-u-e-s-t-r-i-e-n-n-e underscore podcast Um, with some book recommendations that we have for everyone to work on kind of, you know, working their way through or something to do. I know, um, people are always like, oh, especially horse people who have a tendency to be like really moving and shaking all the time. Like if I had time, I would do this. Or if I have time, I would do that. And then also a list of 10 things that you can do to advance the state of your horse program, uh, from your house. Um, So we'll be sharing uh, some of those on our Instagram page um, probably today or tomorrow um, or at the very least later this week. So there'll be some good information there um, that can help everybody use this time, maybe not as an ideal time. Um, but as a productive and constructive way of still progressing forward towards your goals and towards what you want and moving your horse project forward, even if you don't get the physical horse contact or the saddle time, or, um, you know, um, even if it doesn't look like how you want it to look, it doesn't mean that it has to be a loss or a waste. Absolutely. And these are
0: Six really great books that Caroline and I have both read, and ten really important things that the two of us um, make an effort to. Mainly for me, I make an effort to do things like this on the weekends because typically during the week I'm I'm busy riding and at work, and I sometimes don't always get the the like R and R or reflection time that I need. But on the weekends, I typically Your try to implement. Yeah, I typically try and implement several of these quote ten things you can do on your your Corona lockdown that are positive and constructive. So they're really great. the 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 ideas are great. The books are great. It's definitely uh, worth checking out on our
1: Instagram. And I think they both are just really Annie and I are both really big on perspective, and I think they can both be a really helpful just perspective adjustment. Like, okay, so we all know what we can't do. We all know that we can't maybe go through our day-to-day lives like we typically would, Um, but let's not focus on that. Let's focus what we can do. Um, Like I am painting my kitchen right now. Um, You know, it's not something that I would typically do. Well, that's a lie. I've painted everything in my house a thousand times, but it's a constructive and productive way of utilizing this time um, in a manner that still advances towards a goal. Um, and, my... and you
0: get to look back at your Corona kitchen
1: and be like, why did I gone. paint the kitchen pink? Oh, <laughs> the coronavirus it's That was corona it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess like that's pretty much kind of what I had to say and any, you know, if you have anything else that you wanted to kind of wrap up with, but, uh, yeah, we just thought we'd do a special little blurb on this.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's great to end with gratitude again and be grateful yes. for all of the all of the um folks that are out there working really hard and putting themselves in harm's way, um, just so that we can all be safe. So let's be grateful for them and respectful and wash your hands. Yeah, don't touch your face, <laughs> which is
1: so hard. <laughs> Pretend wash your hands. Here you go. This is my little here's my takeaway tidbit. Wash your hands like you just pregnancy checked a whole bunch of mares, and you might have popped a glove.
0: (laughs) You might have popped a glove. That's a salutation
1: and a half. (laughs) And only horse people will understand that reference. (laughs) Makes me want to go wash my hands right now. (laughs) Yeah, for real?
0: Um, so in our next two podcast episodes coming up, we are gonna delve a little bit deeper into um Caroline and myself and talk a little bit about our I was gonna say journey, but I know how you hate that. Journey. Word. Ooh, <laughs> journey. Our progression. I, it
1: gives me two connotations. <laughs> the first is like a cringy sort of gag reflex inclination, and the second, I just wanna blurt out don't step, believe in.
0: well our progression through our horse career life perhaps or yeah not careers just you know how it all began um so that's what's in store next and we hope
1: you stay tuned thanks so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you guys next time bye